0: Welcome into another edition of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast, along with Blue Ribbon's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. We are thrilled to have you with us for another week. These things have been a lot of fun as we uh, tick closer to the start of college basketball. We have a start date, uh, November 25th. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Chris, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, this is the, the part of the process of, of uh, delivering Blue Ribbon that tries men's souls Uh, (laughs) back is hurting your neck is hurting your wrists are hurting from so much typing Uh, but I think we're going to have a book there's always that point where you're freaking out you're freaking out you try to tell yourself don't think about the end game think about the daily progress but there's always that point in the in the production cycle where you think "Ah, we're going to get there we're going to have a book and uh I think we're at that point now. Yeah. And I'm excited for it. it. It you know, we did we weren't sure we were gonna publish for a while there. We weren't sure if we we're gonna have a, a season for a while there, sure. but uh yes to both and uh it's been an enjoyable process for me this year because I've written twenty nine stories myself. Well actually twenty eight of the twenty nine so far. Still gotta catch up to Coach Tom Crean. If anybody's out there that knows him, hit him up for me. Uh, but uh once I do that I'll be done.
0: And, and for those who want to purchase the book, give the info for that. And also, when are we looking at, at having it in people's hands, actually?
1: Good question. BlueRibbonYearbook.com is our website, BlueRibbonYearbook.com. And, uh, you can pre-order now. And we're hoping to have books in people's hands by the third week of October. We're a couple of uh, weeks behind schedule, as you might guess. Uh, we are a little bit behind schedule getting started. And Teams were a little bit behind schedule, you know, getting their practices going. So uh, we, as usual, Blue Ribbon tries to wait for the last and best information we can get. So we're a couple of weeks. But if you buy our uh, iPad version, uh, that will be available sometime around the first week of October. We've actually got a bundle where you can get both. Uh, if, if I had to pay for it, I'd get both. Yeah. And a lot of people do that. They just can't wait for the print and they want to have the print. But they also want to see the book quickly.
0: Chris, coming up in a little bit uh, on this week's show, we're going to have Iowa coach Fran McCaffrey. We're really looking forward to that. I know you've spoken to him some about Luca Garza and doing the 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 uh, really excellent piece that you wrote on Luca. But it's going to be ca- fun to catch up with Fran and just see how he feels about the the schedule and everything. As uh, you know, we get we got a little info last week on, on how it's all going to likely work, or at least how they're going to try to make it all work.
1: Yeah, fr- Fran's, uh, you know. He's a smart uh, and, and, and great tactician, super to talk to. His brother's a sports writer, so I think he really gets our end of things. Uh, and Iowa is a team that has had issues with actually kids coming down with the virus. So more than most, uh, Coach Mack can kind of tell us what, the, what it's been like in the mm-hmm. trenches. Uh, it, it has not been a typical season, nor will it be. But uh, I, I've read time and time again as I've edited Blue Ribbon where coaches are saying this is the best time ever to have an experienced club uh, because, you know, they, they're already used to playing with another with one another. And, and certainly Iowa falls into that category. They're playing a lot of seniors. They've even got Jordan Bohannon, a sixth year senior. Uh, so they've got exp- experience of plenty.
0: Let's talk about the schedule a little bit. The the NCAA D1 Council decided the season will start November 25th. It's a little bit later than uh, at least you know three or four days later than what had been reported before the meeting last week. But the thinking is that the majority of the colleges will be done with their semester by the time Thanksgiving gets here, and then off until early January. So maybe it gives you a chance to have your team a little more isolated than they normally would have been. The minimum number of games to qualify for the NCAA tournament will be 13. The maximum number is 25 or 27 if you uh, have a team that plays in one of those multiple team events, the MTEs they talk about. But uh, it, it's going to make for for some challenging scheduling, and and it'll be interesting, Chris, to, to see what people come up with and how it all comes together. There's all these talks of, of different schools and and tournaments and doing bubbles and all that, and uh, you gotta think it's going to have to come together pretty soon because uh, we're, we're not really all that far away. We're uh, about two months as we sit here, you know, toward the end of September, about two months away from getting all this going.
1: Yeah. I read a quote from Wes Miller, the UNC Greensboro coach, who said he expects to be on the phone constantly over the next week. And that was when the, after the NCAA announced. And, and truthfully, in talking to some conference commissioners, some coaches, I wouldn't say we're going rogue, but they were kind of already chatting up one another about possibilities. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. There'll be some some pods uh, if you will what i think will happen and this is smart is that a lot of schools that maybe have a med school on campus or a hospital on campus or nearby will partner for promotional consideration so they can get testing done and i think that's what most coaches are are most concerned with is is the level of testing going to be consistent from school to school and if the saliva test is is commonly used when we start the season, that'll be a real game changer because I think you can have games, uh, isolate your, your players, and have a, a large degree of certainty that you can play and not spread this virus.
0: It's also going to be more challenging to evaluate teams, you know, using the net ranking or any other measure, however the, the selection committee is going to go about putting the, the bracket together. If there aren't as many games as there normally are, and also will will the NCA tournament when we get later on and get to March, will it stay at its current size of sixty eight teams? ACC coaches talk about that that all inclusive tournament for everybody and you know, over three hundred teams, but you know you, you wonder if it might actually be smaller uh if, if that becomes necessary to where logistically it's really hard to make it all work you know depending on what the situation of the of the virus is when we get to next spring.
1: I think that was a great show of solidarity by the ACC coaches. But I do believe uh, an all-inclusive NCAA tournament would be too unwieldy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think that the NCAA tournament committee is going to have to go back to days of yore when there wasn't all these analytics and synergy and and blue ribbon, uh, which the selection committee, by the way, buys and studies because they're each assigned certain leagues. I think you're going to go back to basics and, and basically use the eye test more this year. Uh, it remains to be seen whether they can even use their own net rankings, uh, whether there'll be enough games uh, played by some schools for those to even kick in and be a factor. I read one report where uh, the, the writer said, you know, it's never been a totally fair process anyway. Right. It, it's skewed toward power conferences. And for the most part, that's true, I think. So what I hope happens is that the NCAA selection committee really concentrates on schools that have proclaimed in advance that we're not going to be able to play upwards of 23, 25 games. And again, just use the eye test. Yeah. And uh, it's not going to be a, a fair, uh, you know, there's going to be people that complain, but Hey, this is the weirdest year that anybody uh, uh, has ever experienced. unless you happen to be around during the, the Spanish flu, and I understand there are some folks who, <laughs> who were back there in nineteen eighteen and and are still kicking it today. Good for them. Uh stay safe out there, wash your hands, mask up. Um but uh yeah what I think's gonna happen is that the selection committee is gonna really have to be on their uh on their toes and they're really going to have to use that eye test, use common sense And, you know, uh, Les Robinson, a dear friend of mine who used to be coach at ETSU in the Citadel and NC State, he was on the selection committee. And he told me once that when it comes down to nutcracking time, the final question asked of all the people in the room, if you were a coach, and some of them were coaches, if you were a coach, what team would you least want to play? Mm -hmm. And that's what it's going to come down to. And I think we'll be able to see that. I think there are some metrics that you can see. Like, let's take, for example, the team you cover, Belmont. You'll see that, you know, these guys shoot the heck out of the three. They've got a legitimate uh, post player in Nick Musinski, who I think could play for anybody in the country. So th- those are just common sense evaluations. You know what I mean? Yeah. And- there's certain stats that translate.
0: Yeah, there, there's always – that part of it uh, that I always feel like should be more considered the the eyeball test and I know the metrics are so important because you have to do it in a fair way but it does seem like there should be some human element of watching teams and people who know what they're talking about can can watch teams and tell which teams are better i think you're right and i hope you're right that that may be more of a more of a consideration this year than, than ever before chris the uh, the top 25 blue ribbons top 25 is out uh, what kind of feedback have you received? I know some uh, Crimson Tide fans were, were were pleased with the results, correct?
1: They were jacked. Um, I have to thank Brian Passink, uh, who used to play for the Tide and is now their color analyst with our friend Chris Stewart. Um, he tweeted it out, and I think that kind of ignited it. Uh, I talked to a Blue Ribbon fan who called in and, and said, man, you, you've touched it off here because he said, like, Tide fans are really – excited about uh, Coach Nate Oates. Uh, this fan that called in told me that uh, Alabama hadn't updated its its 2021 roster, and people were griping on the message boards, like, let's get that <laughs> roster up there. <laughs> and I just, as, as I talked to Nate Oates, as we said on our SEC podcast last week, he just, the guy gets it. He's super entertaining and super intelligent to talk to. He understands the game of basketball, and he loves analytics and, and film analysis. And he knew exactly what he wanted to recruit. And despite all the the difficulties during the pandemic in the spring, he went out and got those people, including a Yale transfer, Jordan Bruner, who is a 6'10 big who can shoot it and pass it from the high post. And that's perfect in their offense. He'd gladly play, uh, uh, you know, five out if he could. Uh, he'd play six, four, or five, six, six guys if he could. So he's got that kind of roster now. And I think Crimson Tide fans obviously are always excited about football, number one. But Nate Oates has given them a reason to be pumped about basketball, too.
0: Was it more difficult this year than ever to put together that top 25 just given the situation we're in?
1: Sort of, yes. I mean, usually by now, uh, actually – we would release our top 25 in late August in the past because, uh, with, with practices, the, the NCAA used to be draconian in, in their rules, uh, that govern, uh, uh, you know, uh, out of season basketball practice. And that became more fair, uh, as the years went on, you could do individual workouts and limited practices and coaches would have an idea in, in June what they had. This year, it was kind of back to the old days when I first started covering the game where a coach would say, yeah, the kids say so-and-so looks good in their pickup games. Uh, you know, they weren't yeah. allowed to watch them like, like they didn't really. Uh, but get that kind of stuff. But now, in in later years, it's like, yeah, we've worked out with these kids. We know what they can do. So we didn't get a lot of that feedback until August this year. So we took our time to release our top 25. And you know, I'm not going to lie. We also wanted to coincide with when the NCAA announced the start of the season. Uh, we thought it would have greater relevance if we released it right on top of that announcement, which is what we did. And last I looked, uh, we had several thousand views on, on our uh, Substack page, our, our newsletter page, when we released our top 25.
0: Speaking of which, what's coming up this week?
1: We're going to, uh, once again, uh, my friend Kevin, uh, the longtime radio guy has proven that he's a great writer. Uh, he's had two excellent pieces for us in his "My Favorite Venues" series. Unassailable first selections. He's been to more than probably 120 in his career. He starts out with Alan Fieldhouse and goes to Dean's, uh, the, the Dean Smith Center for his second choice. This week, he's he's doing a, you're doing a piece on our uh, top mid-major programs. I even hate to use that word mid-major. Uh, it's sort of unfair to me. I went to a couple of mid-majors in East Tennessee state. (laughs) So we never, uh, we never give them short shrift and blue ribbon. And this week we're going to have a big profile of, uh, what we believe are the top uh, mid-majors to watch for in this upcoming season.
0: And you can find that at blueribbon.substack.com. We'd love to have you on board to uh, read all our content. And, of course, you can always uh, consume our podcast, too. You can always find those there. Uh, Chris and I do a national podcast every other week, and then on the opposite weeks we have a uh, Blue Ribbon SEC podcast focusing on the Southeastern Conference. So uh, always a lot of fun with our our content, blueribbon.substack.com. Well, Chris, we mentioned earlier that we are going to have Iowa coach Fran McCaffrey, and and coaches with us. So, Chris, I'll let you do the honors.
1: You know, it's always a pleasure for me to get to talk to coach Mack. Uh, I learn a ton about basketball every time I do. And most recently we talked about Luca Garza for an epic length story I wrote on him because he's blue ribbons, preseason player of the year. That thing was longer than an Anaconda. (laughs) But uh, Coach gave me some great quotes that really helped me put that story together. So coach welcome in. And uh, it's been a pleasure, uh, Talking to you over the years, like I said, I always learn a lot about ball when I do.
2: Well, I feel the same way. I mean, you and I go way back, and and we had a great conversation about Luca. But like you said, one of many over the years. Uh, but Luca is an interesting story, and I thought, I thought you really captured it well. You know, I think the important thing is when you're going to do an article like that, you got to go in depth. You got to get the background, and you got to put the time in. And you did that, so you know, I think. We appreciate it, but I think more important, Luca and his family appreciate it.
1: Well, that's awesome. And, you know, you're also qualified to, to make that assessment because your brother, Jack, is a sports writer. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> you 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 totally get uh, the other end of it. I, I've always thought you've been media savvy. I remember when you won the SOCON championship at UNCG in 2001 uh, and, and getting to know you then, but you've always understood the media and their role in, in this game.
2: Absolutely. And I think the important thing is, I, I, I don't come into it, like you said, Chris, with my background. I grew up around my brother and around sports writers. And, and I see the other side of it. So I don't have this suspicion every time I get a phone call from a member of the media. Uh, it's kind of like we work together. You know, we, we show up at games, uh, we show up at shoot around, and, and the TV media is going to be there. And then after the game, we do the TV media, and then we deal with the print media. Now, of course, it's a little bit different than from back in those SOCON days when you and I first met. Now it's the social media side, and, and, and that sort of never ends. And, and, and that is something that I think complicates this process a little bit more than it should. Uh, because, as you all know, as an accomplished journalist, which you are, there are certain rules that you abide by. And and I guess in, in some ways you're legally bound to do so. Well nobody's legally bound on social media. Anybody with a Twitter account can say what they mm-hmm. want. And I think that's I think that's made made it difficult, quite frankly, for the legitimate media people that are out there grinding and trying to do their jobs.
1: Coach, uh, yeah. this shows what a hoops nerd I am. I was watching tape of your son Jack today.
2: He can <laughs> shoot the rock, baby. Uh, yeah, Jack uh, can shoot it now. Yeah, <laughs> he's a big old kid too. Uh, he is. He's uh, six, five and he's just started eighth grade. So, I've, oh man,
1: so, some some say that he might be your best player. Uh, what's it like? You know, when you think of coaches' sons, most people uh, think of you know, Press Maravich and Pistol, who's the all-time leading scorer. Allen Houston and Wade. Your son Connor led the nation in an assisted turnover ratio last year. Uh, so, what's it like having two sons on your club? I, I know Patrick hasn't really been able to put in a full season yet, but talk
2: about that. It's absolutely awesome. You know, and it's funny you bring it up because I had a conversation with a friend of mine, Will Brown, who was at Albany, is still at Albany when I was at Siena. His son's going to come play for him. He reached out to me. We all kind of do that. You and I have talked about it. I reached out to Tubby. I reached out to John Beeline. I reached out to Greg McDermott. I talked to Craig Neal. Uh, and everyone had different experiences. Uh, and, and what I decided to do, and this is the advice I gave to Will, is just enjoy it. Show up at practice every day. You get to see your son. Uh, don't overthink it. Enjoy the ride. It was very helpful last year that Connor was such an integral part of our success. That's always helpful. Uh, Patrick and Connor, that you know, everybody on the team—they're their guys. They, that's who they hang out with. That's who they grew up with. I mean, they knew a lot of. A lot of them had relationships prior to coming to Iowa. You know, Joe Wieskamp played in the same AAU program. So did Bohannon. Uh, they knew Cordell Pemsel and Ryan Creener and Connor and Luca Garza met at NBA Top One Hundred and Nike Top One Hundred uh, and on the road in the AAU circle. Uh, Patrick and Joe Toussaint were at NBA Top One Hundred together. So there's relationships that have already existed and then they bond together and and for me I have to tell you, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed my, my coaching years, my coaching experience. But there's nothing better than coming to practice and having your two boys there every day.
0: Coach, I've been around a lot of basketball teams. I've seen how those guys eat. When you had them all under one roof, how difficult was that experience, trying trying to keep them all fed? (laughs) Because they had the metabolism that just burns that stuff right right up.
2: Well, You know, in the beginning, it it was such a weird existence, you know, because the season ended abruptly. And now everybody's, everybody's home. And you have all this time, and what do you do? Mm -hmm. Nobody was going anywhere. You weren't going on vacation. You weren't going to the movies. So, I mean, one of the biggest decisions you had is, okay, where are we getting food from right now? Or is mom cooking? Mm -hmm. Who's going to Hy-Vee to pick up food? So it was great having them around. Uh, They can eat. And, and, And it's interesting now because it's a different world with your strength coach, your nutritionist, they're more aware of what drinks they're putting in their body, what they're eating, the amount of protein, how often they eat. Patrick in particular was really trying to gain weight. Uh, we put uh, weights in our in our basement. Uh, we, we, have, we have kind of two garages in our house and the top one has a basketball court in it so they were able to shoot and the bottom one has a weight room in it. So it was just work out and eat. That was about all we did
0: doesn't sound like the worst plan in the whole world.
2: No, it wasn't bad at all. What, what do you think, might,
0: what, what do you think might be the best approach to, to coming up with the a, a non conference schedule? You know, for your program or, or for anybody, uh, especially there in the Big Ten.
2: Well, the first thing you do is you look at, okay, what's your conference schedule going to look like? You know, do you play an eighteen or a twenty game schedule? So we play twenty, so that leaves us twenty seven. Okay, well, you figure the challenge is going to stay the. The Big 10 ACC challenge that will survive. Uh, we were going to have our own MTE, so we'll probably do that. Uh, we were scheduled to play Iowa State, we'll probably do that. We're scheduled to play Oregon State up in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We'll probably do that, assuming they get the okay from the Pac 12. And it really doesn't leave much, you know, maybe a Gavik games, maybe not. That's kind of up in the air, that's a little bit different. We we'll look forward to playing that game, but it's, it you know, it's a, it's still a really difficult schedule when you look at, you know, 20 monsters plus Oregon state, Iowa state and an ACC game. And then our own MTE. So you don't have a lot of room for additional teams. We have contracts to play some teams. We would in all likelihood honor those contracts, any contract signed prior to November 25th is essentially null and void. Uh, but, you know, I think what we would do is if we had one there, we would push it off till next sure. year, so at least we would make those people whole.
0: You know, with Luca Garza's return and a really strong nucleus of players, do you feel like this has potential to be, you know, really a special team and may, maybe the best squad you've had there at Iowa? I,
2: I think that's a fair statement only because it's a veteran group. I mean, rarely do you have the National Player of the Year returning, uh, the Player of the Year in your conference, uh, but we have – Others, you know, Joe Wieskamp was an all-league player, led the league in free-throw shooting. C.J. Frederick led the league in three-point shooting, as Chris mentioned, uh, nation assist turnover ratio. They're all veteran guys. We get Jordan Bohannon back. Joe Toussaint started as a freshman. Uh, we get Jack Nungy back, you know, another seven-footer who can stretch the floor and make threes. We get Patrick back. And then we have a five-man re- recruiting class. And you say, well, you know, that's 13 guys, all of whom are good enough to play. We have Austin Ash, who's a walk-on. We, we have 14 guys that, you know, and, and throwing Michael Baer and Nico Haas, they're veteran guys as well. We, we, we have a very large roster of people that are ready to go. Uh, and you say, well, you're not going to need them all. But who knows? Maybe we will. You know, uh, somebody tests positive. They have to sit out 21 days. Somebody's got to come in. So I, I think roster management will look a little different this year. That maybe it has in the past. It's you know, 21 days is a long time. The good news is, with the antigen test, uh, we're not we're no longer quarantining healthy people. So people that test negative, they can keep coming every day, even if you've been exposed to somebody who was positive, because we're testing every day, and we're going to test twice if somebody somebody's positive. So it's a little bit of a unique situation, but anytime you have You know, a guy like Bohan is a fifth-year senior. Connor, Luca, and Jack Nunji are all seniors. Connor and Jack are junior eligible. You know, Wieskamp's a junior. C.J. Frederick's a junior, but sophomore eligible. But these are all veteran guys uh, and all, I think, interchangeable parts. We have shooters. We have drivers. We have size. uh, But we essentially have a group of gamers. These guys are fearless. And in this league, And if you're going to make a run in the tournament, that's, of course, what you need.
1: Coach, talking about Luke uh, one more time, you gave me a quote that I that just kind of blew blew me out of my chair about his footwork Mm -hmm. uh, and how that was sort of an underreported fact of of his ability uh, to dominate games. Can you reprise that? And also, how's that skyhook coming for him?
2: Well, you know, he's – it's interesting because he has a great jump hook. So now if you incorporate the sky hook with it, as you all well know, I mean, it's impossible to block. But but again, Chris, it, as you said, it, it all starts with footwork. And he's got great footwork on the perimeter as well. And, of course, it's 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 very similar, especially if you're going to sigma in the post. But he has a back-to-the-basket game with his footwork, and he has – a footwork situation when he faces up, whether it's a jab step, shot fake, step through, up and under. Uh, he he is really good with his foot fakes and then his shot fakes without traveling. And then, of course, he's one of the greatest finishers I've ever seen. I mean, it's like if you throw it into post and he gets a shot off, you're shocked if it doesn't go in. Uh, and now you factor in that footwork on the perimeter – which will set up his three-point shot. So it's jab, step, shot, fake, jab, step, hip-to-hip, hip, pull. You know, And when you're 6'11 and you're shooting from deep, it's hard to get to you. We saw it last night with Anthony Davis. They just pull right in your face and, and, and shoot a three, and that's what Luka has the capability of doing.
1: We were talking at the beginning of the show about how we think the NCAA selection committee might have to return to days of yore when they didn't have all these analytics and stuff. And maybe just give the eye test for some teams. How do you think that process would best be served?
2: I love that idea, and i I, I, I think you'd get the right teams. It, it will be somewhat complicated this year, I think, with a shortened schedule. I was actually one of the people that was in favor of expanding the tournament. Uh, you know, just to kind of be sure to let quality teams in. And the other side of it is, you know, we're all suffering through a little bit of an economic struggle. You add another week, you add another week after that, you know, the money I think would really solve a lot of problems. Maybe give some teams an opportunity to say, hey, we were in the tournament. They haven't been in a while. They haven't been in a long while. Who knows? Uh, But, you know, engage your fan base and, and, and give some teams an opportunity. I think that's the beauty of the tournament. And always has been teams we don't know as much about making noise in March. You know, I was fortunate enough to be on a couple of those teams and as a player, as a coach, and, and, and that's really what makes it special. Uh, you know, I'm hopeful that by then also we'll have fans in attendance. You know, hopefully the, you know, maybe we'll have a vaccine by then and and people be more comfortable, uh, Showing up certainly at the Final Four—that's what makes it so special. It's such an event, uh, but it may look a little different this year. And how do you, how do you figure one team versus another if there's less crossover uh, than we normally see? So uh, it'll be interesting to see. But but I'm I'm good with the old-fashioned eye test. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> To, to finish up here, you know, Iowa fans, man, you you know they they love their basketball and their Hawkeyes. I was thinking back to when I was a teenager and you and know, Roy Marble was playing and Sir Jamalotta and all those dudes. But you know, what's been most rewarding for you about seeing the attendance grow and and just the level of excitement grow around your program?
2: I was really uh, impressed when I first got here. I don't know that I was surprised because one of the reasons I was so excited about coming to Iowa was I had coached in Carver Hawkeye arena. I coached in this arena in 1985 as the head coach at Lehigh. And I coached in the arena in 2005 as the head coach at UNC Greensboro. So I had been in this arena. I, you know, I coached against Iowa as an assistant at Notre Dame when AC Earl and Val Barnes and those guys were playing. so, you know, I'd been friends with Tom Davis but just really had had an affinity for this program, and felt very fortunate to have the opportunity to coach here. Uh, so uh, in year one, when we had not been so good uh, the previous year, you don't know what's it going to be like. Well, they engaged immediately, and they got behind me and my staff and our players, and that was fun. And I think anytime you can come in and build a program. It, it, it's it's really exciting. It's an exciting time. You're working long hours, but it's it's what you love. But it's hard to do without without that kind of support from your administration, from the fans, and you could see it, as you pointed out. And then the teams got better. And, of course, you mentioned Roy Marble. I was lucky enough, my first year, I coached Roy Devin Marble. Yep. And we called him Dev, and, and, and he was one of the best players in our league and played in the NBA and still playing one of my favorite people. Uh, so we, we, we've had a lot of fun uh, just continuing to work hard and try to grow this program and and make those Hawkeye fans proud of what we're doing, how we're doing it. And I think they really have have, have been intrigued by this team and watching this group of young guys mature. And sometimes you don't get a chance to see teams mature the way this team has and then have everybody stay. And, and everybody's coming back. So I think we're all excited about the possibilities.
0: Fran, it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, I, I know you and Chris go way back, but it's a lot of fun to speak with you today. And all, all the best as we uh, get ready to, to hopefully have a, a full season coming up.
2: Well, we're looking forward to it, Kevin. Thank you, Chris. Always a pleasure, my man. Yeah, same. Good luck, Coach.
0: That was Iowa coach Fran McCaffrey and, uh, Chris, uh, as I mentioned, uh, you, you, you've known him for a long time going back to his days, uh, in, in the Southern Conference, but, uh, you know, fun to speak with him. And man, it looks like he, he's going to have a, a loaded squad and heavy on experience, which as he described, is really going to be important here.
1: Yeah. I mean, you've, you've got a sixth year senior in Jordan Bohannon, uh, Luca Garza is coming back as a senior, uh, experience throughout the roster, really. And this is the year when it helps to have an experienced roster, kids that are used to playing with one another. If you're I, – I LSU, for example, uh, a story I just wrote the other day, they've got eight newcomers. And, you know, if you would ask Will Wade, I'd say that he would tell you that that's a harder uh, team to integrate this year with limited practice time as opposed to Iowa, which has all those veteran players back.
0: Did you remember the, uh, the guy I was talking about, Sir Jam a lot from back in the day? It was it Jerry Wright? Yeah, you remember he did? I, he did the car you know, like wheel. I done. said,
1: I, I grew, I don't know if I said this on the show, but you know this. I grew up in the Midwest and, uh, the Missouri Valley and the Big Ten were the games I grew up watching. And, and, uh, yeah, always loved, I actually lived in the quad cities, uh, uh, in East Moline, Illinois, which is right on the Iowa border and, just grew to appreciate the Iowans love for basketball. And, and I go back a long way with the Big Ten and the Valley. So, uh, you know, like I said, uh, Coach Fran is, is in some good, he's in his own basketball nirvana right there in Iowa.
0: Well, Chris, with that, we will uh, wrap up this edition of our Blue Ribbon College basketball podcast. Always a lot of fun. The, the good thing about Chris, I always say this. He, one of the great things about Chris, he knows everybody in basketball so we have access to uh, to some folks that uh, uh, you might not normally be able to have a conversation with on something like this but it's really cool great having coach McCaffrey and uh, we'll do it again next time my friend
1: sounds good buddy
0: he's chris dorch i'm kevin ingram we will talk to you next time